Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I welcome to the Leadership File Dr. Jeremiah Johnston, the President of Christian Thinker Society and Associate Professor of Early Christianity, Houston Baptist University. His ministry has included opportunity to speak about and defend faith in a variety of media outlets, TV, radio, magazines and newspapers, as well as within academic circles. Jeremiah is based in the US but is in the UK for Premier's unbelievable conference. He was due to attend the conference last year too but had to cancel when he and his wife were expecting triplets. He's no stranger to these shores having completed his doctoral residency in Oxford and received his PhD from Middlesex University. He's also earned advanced degrees in theology from Academia University and Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He says his passion is equipping Christians to give intellectually informed accounts of what they believe in the public sphere and what impact these answers make in the betterment of society. As such, he's the founder of the Christian Thinker Society, which aims to teach pastors and Christians how to become thinkers and thinkers how to become Christians. So, welcome, Jeremiah. Andy, it's a blessing to be on your show. Well, thank and you so thank much. Thank you for all you do for your kingdom work. Well, bless you. That's, that's a lovely, lovely thing for you to say. You, you grew up in a Christian home. I did. So, I'm just wondering whether your interest in apologetics came from that or whether mm-hmm. it was when you actually encountered the, the, the wider world, if you like, of the Christian. That's a great question to begin with. Actually, I think it did. As I think about my leadership journey, and we're all on a leadership journey, aren't we? Um, Truly, I mean, having the privilege to grow up in a home of an evangelist, I was exposed to leaders from a young age. I mean, like Ravi Zacharias, I mean, whom I've known since as long as I can remember. So obviously that's going to make an impact on you. But I think my foray into apologetics, and I think it's always important we define that word because people think we're apologizing about something. First Peter 3.15 says we should, as followers of Jesus, always be ready to give an apologia in Greek, a reason for the hope that we have in Jesus. And guess what? We have many reasons to follow Jesus. And so as I was growing in my own faith in Jesus Christ, I had my own questions. I didn't realize I was started to do apologetics. You know, many of us are doing apologetics right now who are listening to your leadership profile program. We don't even know we're doing apologetics. We're just investigating our own faith. And um, certainly as I moved to Oxford with my family and started to hear many people who are thinkers but not necessarily Christians, I began to investigate all different aspects of my faith. And I first had to learn that it's not a sin to question your faith. It's not a sin to have doubts in your faith. And so that really began my own journey. So I think part of it definitely being exposed. I've been blessed to come from a great Christian heritage. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thankful for that because especially I realize many people do not grow up in in faith homes. Mm -hmm. So we really are blessed, those of us who are listening to this program, if you were raised with godly parents who took you to church, who pray for you regularly, we're, you've already won the lottery in a sense. <laughs> Excellent. So, and and you, obviously you studied in in the states, but then you yeah. came over to Oxford for PhD. So how did that all that happen? Yeah, I came in 2009 during the swine flu epidemic. Ah, oh, My right. wife and I we brought our one child, Lily Faith, at Gracious. the time. And Andy, it's so interesting to me just how God works because I didn't know anyone in the United Kingdom. I had never been to Oxford before mm. when I moved there. Mm. I didn't even know. You know, in the U.S., like when you have an emergency, you call 911. I didn't even know what you dial here in the states. <laughs> If you have an emergency, you know, I have a, my, I'm a new dad, sure. uh, but we moved here by faith. And I wanted to study at the intellectual Jerusalem. I wanted to be exposed to every argument for and against the faith. Mm. 
So that and there, there was always an end game though. The end game was not to be an ivory pa- ivory tower academic. Mm. I wanted to use what I was doing. I mean, the first day I was at Oxford, I knew I'd be doing right what I'm doing right now, ministering to the church. Okay. But I wanted to have an ironclad educational pedigree to where I could be invited to hostile environments, mm-hmm. places that don't care if you're a Christian, but to where they would they would respect the credential enough to have mm. me come speak or share or communicate or debate. Mm. And so that was really my vision. I mean, I'll never forget when I was raising money um, because I didn't want to have any school debt. Mm. Um, I've sat down with an international businessman and he said, what is the end game? You know, why are you going to Oxford? Why why do you need to go to? Because, you know, I could do a Ph.D. in the U.S. and there are great Christian schools, but I didn't want to go to a confessional school, Mm -hmm. as we call it. I wanted to be exposed to those arguments against the faith. And I, I wanted to really investigate those. And it was a blessing to go, and so that's how I ended up there. And my, I had the support of my wife. Um, I wouldn't have gone without her. So that was a blessing too. Sure. And and looking at the Gospel of Peter, yes, that was an interesting, yeah, interesting topic. How did that come about? Well, people hear Gospel of Peter, and they're mm. like, "Well, I know the Gospel of Mark, I know <laughs> the Gospel of John and Luke and mm. others." Um, but no, there there's a whole group of Gospels. That's what we refer to them. Who are what, what's referred to as extra canonical. Mm. That is, they're not canonized. They're not included in the canon of, of the New Testament. Mm. Uh, and they begin really in the second century, and then they go much later. What's fascinating about the Gospel of Peter, it's actually, I studied a primary text called P. Cairo 10759. Every single ancient manuscript that we mm. have has an accession number. So like the oldest New Testament fragment, P52, of John's Gospel, that's over at the University of Manchester, John Ryland's mm-hmm. library, where we have P64 in Oxford, the Jesus Fragment at Maudlin College. A lot of people don't realize you can go look at it in the oh, wow. old library there. So they all have an accession number. So this is P Cairo, means papyrus, and then it was found in Cairo, Egypt, 10759. That's just a catalog number. But what's fascinating about it, this was the first non-canonical gospel found in the modern era. Okay. So we hear a lot about Gospel of Thomas. Gospel of Peter was actually found before. Mm-hmm. Now, why did I look at the Gospel of Peter? Not because Peter did not write it. There's really nothing historical about it pertaining to first century life, but it does give us a window into second century Christianity mm. through what's called paleographic studies, that is studying handwriting, codicology, studying the actual text as artifact, I'm able to date the text to 150 to 170 AD. So we're looking at a couple generations after Mm. the first Christians. And what's fascinating about this text, it gives us this window, as I said, into the second century Christianity, battles they were facing, and what's important. What's fascinating about the Gospel of Peter, it is the longest extant resurrection narrative that we have. It's all about the resurrection of Jesus. And so I did what's called in German Überlieferungsgeschichte. That is a study of resurrection belief in the Judeo-Christian motif and was a 93,000-word thesis. So that's what I studied at Oxford, the resurrection of Jesus. And I also, my fun with this with my students, I also got into Jewish burial traditions. And I'm, I can say I'm an expert in first century execution, which students always like to hear well, a lot. Okay. <laughs> How the Romans yeah, yeah. killed people so well. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was my studies. Well, wow. and uh, obviously post uh, resurrection 
the the the, 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 um, the disciples you know take the take the message of Jesus across the Roman world, and most it would seem were martyred, including probably Peter. Uh, oh, I appreciate absolutely. we don't know for sure. Oh, but without you, a you doubt, you would think so. You would think so without a doubt. Without a doubt, in the sixties, mm. uh, Nero, the psychotic emperor, yeah. Yeah. Um, who uh, kills not only Peter but the apostle Paul, is decapitated. Yeah. Um, without a doubt, these people died for this message. And we have to ask ourselves, what was it about this message of mm. resurrection? Because, you know, we're living in the walking dead era. You know, our <laughs> listeners today, I mean, the resurrection or bodies coming back to life is trendy. Um, zombies. Did you know, according to the Wall Street Journal, and I talk about this in my book, Unanswered, you can get in the United States and forgive us, friends. We do uh, some, some very moronic things in the United States. <laughs> you can get a Ph.D. in zombies right now at a public university in America, a Ph.D. No. in zombies. No. <laughs> so we you know, it's very normal, Andy, for us to talk about resurrection today. But in the first century world, no one outside of nascent Christianity and early Judaism or late Judaism of the late Second Temple period, no one spoke of resurrection. So if you and I were Romans right now, our audience was Romans, you would never even talk about a body coming back to life. That would be disgusting in our mindset. The church could not have started at a worst talking point well. than their founder coming back to life bodily, physically. In fact, even in Jewish circles, it would have been better to st talk about Jesus as a ghost story. Do you know Jews of the first century believed in ghosts? We right. know this. Okay. They were, so when Jesus is walking on the water, Remember that story? Mm. The ghosts mm. say, we think he's a phantom. They thought he was a ghost. But why did they start talking about a bodily resurrection? Because it actually happened. Well, that's terrific. So um, I'm interested in your, uh, the, the, the aim of CTS is to teach pastors and Christians to become thinkers and thinkers to become Christians. The implication is that maybe Christian pastors don't always think, which, which I think is a fair one, but I'm interested in your rationale yeah. to use that language. Yeah, and I, I want to say this for all our pastors and Christian <laughs> leaders listening. I know the burden that you're under mm. teaching, counseling. You're expected to always be on call. Yeah. And unfortunately, we have not resourced pastors enough for the battles they faced and the mm. questions they receive from even their own congregants. Mm. And I feel like the Lord wanted me to start a ministry that was dedicated, that was church-centric first. Mm. Um, unfortunately, a lot of a lot of apologetics is done very confederately or in isolation. Mm. I wanted to start a ministry that was for the church. I believe that God's method for world evangelism is through the local church. Mm -hmm. But pastors need help. And yes, there are many. I could give you example after example of pastors who are not thinkers. Mm. I'm, I am so discouraged by what passes for a sermon today. Mm. Um, my, own, my own advisor, Paul Foster, would might not mind me sharing this on, on air. He's now head of school at University of Edinburgh. He's an excellent preacher of the gospel. Do you know how much, how many minutes he gets to preach? The provost gives him to preach at the cathedral in Edinburgh. Oh boy, I'm ten to eleven minutes. All right, okay. Now yeah. I'll say this for <laughs> Professor Foster: they're the greatest eleven-minute sermons yeah. you could ever. But I mean, can you imagine that? Oh, you have to be outstanding to, yeah, to actually. I mean, to say do something eleven that minutes, quickly. but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to resource and equip pastors hmm. through publishing live events resourcing them. Mm -hmm. We send out important news events, newsletters, and I want to help them understand how we're living in the golden age of Christianity. What I mm -hmm. said at the Unbelievable Conference, we are living in an, in an unusual time. We have more access to the mm -hmm. truth and the, the, the validation of our faith than at any other time in history. Mm -hmm. We can know more about our faith, Andy, than Charles Spurgeon, John Calvin, mm -hmm. all the greats who've come before us. And yet, we have. it's an exciting time 
but it's also more difficult. And as you mm. said, we're really facing a hostile climate. Mm. It, it's a post-Christian era that we're living in. And so we, we, can't, we can't win without the church being involved. Well, you're listening to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Jeremiah Johnston. And we were just back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Dr. Jeremiah Johnston, the president of the Christian Thinker Society and associate professor of early Christianity, Houston Baptist University. Uh, we're talking before the break a little of uh, how um, Jeremiah came to the UK to study at Oxford and uh, uh, and a little bit, we sort of touched on the, the way in which Christian thinkers began as, as Jeremiah had this burden to uh, equip the church and particularly ch- and church leaders to 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 communicate better within the the kind of hostile environment that we find ourselves. So, um, Jeremiah, much is made of the the differing religious cultures between the UK mm-hmm. uh, and the US. Um, you, you've had experience, obviously, of living and being in Oxford and uh, and doing PhD. Um, what was your what's your feel about the the different kind of backgrounds of non-believers in terms of their understanding of faith between the two nations? Yeah, I think that's really a great question, Andy. Um, one, it, I'm sad in a way because mm. the great Christian heritage of the United Kingdom. Mm. I mean, when you go over to the British Museum and you just walk through the halls of all of the Bible artifacts, and yet most Britons have no idea the gold mine that you all have yep. here. And so when I think about that this was the great gospel-sending nation mm. for more than a century and yet today it really is become a mission field Mm. and then how that trickles back to the united states i mean we're really on that same slippery slope and so having been to church and ministered in both countries um, now more than ever before am i convinced that we need to do apologetics we need to give people a reason for Mm. what we believe and we have to meet people right where they're at using their language we can't use christianese we have to be able to that's why I love a program like this where we can mm. talk about these issues that we face. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, particularly, particular people that you in, you have influenced you. You talked about Ravi Zacharias. That was mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. key to your thinking. Any others? Oh, many others. Um, I, I, it would be too many to count. Okay, okay. Um, but I can just tell you, since this is a leadership profile, mm. I was. Yes, I have a PhD from the United Kingdom. And I'm really happy about that. Mm. But I have a PhD in another sense. Since I was five years of age and preaching in churches with my dad and just first being there with him, he would take me with him. I would have pastors that would meet with us every week and host us in their churches. And can you imagine the leadership mentorship? Sure, absolutely. My dad would say, now we're going to lunch with the pastor. Do not talk. Just listen. (laughs) That's a great leadership lesson, isn't it? Listen. Don't move your mouth. Um, And after years of just simply being mentored by mainly mega church pastors but godly men and women it was just that was an education in and of itself and then coming over here to the united kingdom i mean i have to say words names like paul foster at university of edinburgh and then my my lead advisor craig evans right. who's probably the finest jesus scholar in the english-speaking yes, world indeed, yes. um, we served together at acadia on faculty and i've since we've hired him at houston baptist university he's now our distinguished professor there and it's amazing I met him. I mean, we talk about leadership moments. I Here I am a pastor in 2006. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just serving God, preaching, trying to minister to our flock. But I'm working on a master's degree. And there's a Dead Sea Scrolls um, class that I was taking on the weekend. And who was the guest lecturer that weekend? Craig Evans. I stood in line. There must have been 200 people wanting to shake his hand. And I just shook his hand. I met him. He then came back a year later for a course that I, we were leading at our church. 
And I said, hey, can I take you out to dinner? You know, the world, and especially leadership, it moves at the speed of relationships. Yep. And Craig took a liking to me. You know, we say for whatever reason, God led mm-hmm. him. And he mentored me through my thesis and second master's at Acadia. Then he found this program at Oxford where he could still serve as my director of studies. Wow. And now he's on my board of directors. We minister together. We write together. We wrote a book called Jesus and Jihadis together. Indeed. We do academic stuff together. So, you know, those of us who are listening, we should never be, we should always be cognizant of those God moments. When God puts someone in your mm-hmm. path, take a moment, get out of your comfort zone, go meet them, say, hey, can you mm-hmm. help me? And as I, I give a message, get off your ask. <laughs> you know, gotcha. learn to ask for help. <laughs> sure, sure. No, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and you, you lecture in Christian leadership. So I what do. are the kind of things that, that you do um, absolutely. Within, that, within that? Well, you know, first, I, I help leaders define reality. I, yeah. I, we live in a culture where it's, it's like we can't define reality. You know, don't be negative. Well, I'm not being negative. Max Dupree says that leaders define reality. And we have to really define the reality of our situation. Mm. If you're a business leader, define reality. If you're a ministry leader, define reality for your people, but then talk vision and specific steps. Mm-hmm. I talk a lot, Andy, about perseverance. Mm-hmm. You know, we look at someone who's successful and we think they just got out of bed and were successful, and we don't realize how how hard they've worked, how hard it is. You know, no one gave me Christian thinker society. I did not inherit a ministry. Mm-hmm. I had to start it from scratch. Mm-hmm. And first you know, one of, you know, one of the greatest leadership lessons I ever learned was one of my mentors. You know what he said to me? If you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. Right. Isn't that a powerful thing to think about? Because I was having trouble simply as a leader launching my ministry, all of the worries that go with it. And he, I'll never forget, he looked at me, we're in a hotel room and said, if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. So I've now taken that into a whole leadership mm-hmm. lesson for my students, for the churches where I do leadership sessions. Uh, there's so much more we could talk about, but those are really some of the highlights. Sure. And um, I'm obviously from a Christian leadership point of view, sometimes people um, have inappropriate humility. Yes, I mean, right. maybe it's, a, it's also a British disease, it has to it be is. said. Yeah. You, you know a little bit about our culture. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes find, you know, forgive me, the stereotype of Americans are being a bit too bold, perhaps. Yes. Self-promoting. And all the rest of it. But but actually, there's a healthy dimension of, mm-hmm. of, of what you're saying. Absolutely. I mean, Lady Gaga is bold about her message. <laughs> I mean, I, we could think of everyone else. And wh- as Christians, mm. we need to be bold. And let me tell you something, Andy. Mm. Yes, the early Christians were. <coughs> yes, the early Christians were humble. These, but these were men and women who were leaders. In Acts 17, 6, we hear these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. They were not afraid to confront. They were not afraid to speak up. And what does Acts 14, 27 say? They gathered the church together to report all that God was doing among them and how he was opening the door of faith to the Gentiles. We need to be able to talk about what God's doing. That's not arrogant. No. We are com- we're in a three-year tour at Christian Thinker Society. I'm delighted to say the Holy Spirit is using it to bring hope and healing to thousands of hearts. If it's a wet women's conference, a men's event, church events, events in the UK, I'm del- I want to talk about what God's doing. There's a lot of good things we can discuss, and it's no, there's nothing arrogant about it. Excellent. We're, um, we 
on the um, eve of uh, the unbelievable conference, as we record this, uh, the kind of things that God's going to be speaking through you tomorrow? Yes. Well, the theme this year is why Christ, Mm. you know, and what's so neat about that is, isn't it interesting as leaders how God puts us together at certain times? I've been just finishing a book called Unimaginable, not to be confused with Unbelievable or my other book, Unanswered. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Unbelievable. See, I'm doing it. (laughs) Unimaginable, my new book. Uh, focuses on the Jesus factor in the world. What kind of world would we have if Jesus never showed up? And so the theme tomorrow at Unbelievable, the conference 2017, is all about why Christ? What difference, what what does the Jesus factor mean in society? And so I'm joining a stellar group of speakers, John Lennox, Andy Bannister, Justin Brierley, and I'm so excited about his new book that's been released. And we're talking about the Jesus factor and what that means for Christianity and culture. And so I'm delighted that we're going to have a great time. I personally am going to be focusing on unanswered questions that I've received in all of our events. I've received 6,000 questions, so I'm excited to share about those in the context of the conference. Wonderful. Well, we're coming to to the end of our our, um, uh, broadcast, um, uh, Jeremiah, but I I often ask um, guests uh, particular books that they would recommend mm-hmm. particularly for leaders and yeah. uh, you might want to talk about some in, in apologetics field particularly because of our conversation but sure. there may be others that that um that have helped you or that you recommend in your part of your syllabus let me ask you andy in what in mm-hmm. what specific area because you're asking a guy who I'm, I, I, I read okay. i'm reading about 20 books right okay. now in my library so in what specific area so specifically um books that are going to help maybe younger leaders yes. um to, to grasp the what they need to be doing, you know, the, the show particularly goes to Christians in leadership in the the church, charity, and commercial mm-hmm. world. So, so maybe th- books that that help folk in their in their early years of, uh, oh, of being a leader. Oh, that's such a good question. Well, you all you all know some of these names so well. Um, I would think about any book from Alistair McGrath. Okay. I mean, in in the UK context, yes, indeed. Yeah. he is really, I think, set the bar high for us as leaders, especially mm. in the church space. So. I would get my hands on anything that Alistair has written. Obviously, Ravi Zacharias, my friend Lee Strobel in his new movie, Case for Christ. All right, indeed, yes. Um, he's constantly turning out content at a more serious level. I would recommend William Lane Craig, my colleague at right. Houston Baptist University, Craig Evans as well. And then there's some incredible uh, Christian blogs out there, I mean, that are just dropping some real leadership wisdom. So. Um, in fact, I have a recommended reading list at ChristianThinkers.com of other okay. suggested readings. So I would encourage people to check out my website and see other things that I recommend as well. But let me say this, Andy, and this sounds trite, but its mm. I don't mean it in a trite sense. We need to read the Word of God as leaders. Mm. It's amazing how the Word of God will speak to us. The will of God is found in the Word of God. So while we read, you know, I'm a bookworm. You know, my <laughs> wife thinks I'm nuts how many books that I'm <laughs> constantly. I just, I want to keep re- equipping and resourcing myself. But none of it replaces the Word of God. And so I think that we need to have a healthy, healthy love of God's Word every year, or excuse me, every day of putting it in our heart, putting it in our mind, and it's amazing the leadership lessons we'll learn. We can never forget that. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Well, you've been listening to Leadership Fire with me, Andy Peck. Uh, Jeremiah Johnston's been my guest, so thank you, Jeremiah, for taking time uh, and your busy schedule, uh, particularly pre the conference, to be here. So thank you. Um, and uh, that that website again? It's Christian Thinkers with an S on the end, ChristianThinkers.com. Okay, so go to ChristianThinkers.com and you can get some of the advice that uh, Jeremiah's just given you. Uh, do You can log on to Premier's website and go to the On Demand section and you can... Um, uh, listen again to this this show and other shows, and then you go to iTunes and you can 
uh, sign into iTunes and get the uh, um, the leadership file to your listening device uh, every week. Uh, and also go to the back catalogue. There's about over 100 shows or so that you can listen to at your leisure. So thank you for being my, uh, my guest, Jeremiah. Thank you, Andy. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thank you for listening. Uh, do uh, tune in again next Sunday at 3.30. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premiere. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's Word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 